I'm Paulette. And I'm Whitney. And we're sharing the stories of Black women. Beyond boundaries and borders. Through our journeys and triumphs. This world is ours. Hi, Paulette. Hey, Whitney. (laughs) How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm good. Yeah. Had a good weekend, so. Well, a relaxing weekend, you know. Not too much going on, so. Can start the week fresh. How about you? Same. I rested a lot and I also got out a little and did a little razzle dazzle here and there, but mm-hmm. I had a lot of rest. A lot of rest. Which... Question What are the four sort of main elements of your ideal job or your ideal means of earning an income? I don't know why you always trip me up when you give me a number. When you say four, I don't know why I always do a number as well. What is that about? <laughs> Phew. Um, but when you ask that, I think about I started to think about it and I think that I need to be in a place where I can use my voice because I know like if I'm in a job, I know I know what I'm doing, right? Mm-hmm. And so I yeah, I'm just gonna say I know what I'm doing. And so I want to be able to use my ideas and have them be heard and valued and me be able to lead what I'm doing. I need autonomy. That's important to me. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. If, if I can work in under autonomy, that means that there's trust there, which is also important. Not to a place where I'm going to just give it my, sacrifice everything about me just because I'm compensated well. It can't go, but it has to come with the other things too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also think that I want to be in something that... I. You know, we talked about this. I don't dream of labor. You know that. Like, I don't really want to. <laughs> yeah. but here we are. I got to. Okay. And since I have to do it, I want it to be something that I can feel good about. But I also know too, and as I've sought out, like I need some flexibility to be able to do things that are important to me. Like I need to, if I want to go to home or travel or whatever, I need to be able to feel good about doing that and not feel guilty about me prioritizing me. Because I'm in a season of me. And that's that's what I need to be able to prioritize. And I need to be able to be on a pursuit of liberation in the workplace too. Cause I believe that I can work in a liberate, still work. So there's mm-hmm. some, you know, but yeah. I do want to be able to feel liberated in my work. Yeah, totally. That's me. Our yeah. lists are very similar. Okay. So my first my first one was flexibility. Yeah. But again, yeah, I feel that flexibility, like and I think even with having V, it's like just being able to be present in terms of like parenting and stuff and attend things and, you know, and just know that if I need to just work on something in an evening or maybe like a, a couple of hours on the weekend, I will do it. But like, I want that time to be able to do the other things with her or just, you know, for me. <laughs> um, Same, so paid enough to live the life I want to live. Yes. And I don't really, you know... I don't say this with low aspirations, but honestly, I just really want to be comfortable and not stressed out. And actually that number in terms of pay these days is quite high. <laughs> For me not to live a life of stress and leisure, I need you to pay me. And I come at a <laughs> but price. you know what I mean? I don't think my ask is unreasonable, but actually just, I mean, inflation, it's not my fault. Um, Capitalism. Right. <laughs> Um, the third one was similar so create creativity so like being able to be creative and have ideas and do like you know kind of big picture thinking and like I love that um, I was saying that today even in a meeting I really enjoy that aspect of working um, and then just like a peaceful kind of it, like just I know we don't have to like everyone in the workplace but just some easygoing people that just that just get it and just want to do work and <laughs> go home and they have a life outside of work. <laughs> Maybe oh, those people. I love that we have similar things. I think that that Definitely. means we're on a similar pursuit. And I think that that does situate well with today's conversation or probably how we got here. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah that's true. Of acknowledging that we've probably have worked under some trauma and some places that weren't healthy, um, that weren't, we weren't able to be at our, our our best with wellness. And I think that we have some things that are non-negotiables at this point. Because we get yeah. to work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell yeah, people yeah. I'm 
don't dream of labor. I'm, you know, about to retire. I don't know when, but it's going to hey, happen. It's yeah. going to happen. And God's going to do that for me. So what about a girl? Yes, you can, Paulette. And now for a girl. Yes, you can moment. Girl, yes, you can go where you're celebrated. Um, and again, we're going to be talking about this today, but I just, yeah, I'm just now just on 100 with this. Like you don't have, you don't have to tolerate it guys. Just don't like wherever it is, wherever you are, like just, just more and more. I'm just feeling like I just need to be in places where I like people and people appreciate me and yeah, I'm just and that's beyond the workplace. That's in every area that's of our in life. life, you know. Yeah. yeah. I think I've gotten to the point at my workplace or my day-to-day workplace where I'm just, yeah, just questioning what people think of me in terms of like not what they think of me, how much they value me. And understanding that that value is not really a reflection necessarily of me, how I don't internalize that basically. <laughs> I feel like that aligns with mine too, but it's probably on just a more like personal level, just reminding Mm -hmm. myself that I get to go where I'm value, do things where I see value and where I want to be. I don't have to go to the other stuff. (laughs) Like, um, I was saying I I spent Father's Day at my brother's house because I didn't get to go home to be with my daddy. But um, like my nephews wanted to go swimming and we went swimming. I didn't go there with the bathing suit. I would have to go buy one and I got in the water and all that jazz, you know what I'm saying? And it just felt right in that moment. I wasn't going to stay all day. I didn't leave until, I didn't get home until almost midnight because we were just having fun and hanging out and it felt like the place that I should be in in that moment. Yeah. But that was okay. Very excited to have my friend, Dr. Melody Dottie Munez. And just want to say thank you for joining us who I may from here on out because of how my brain works affectionately refer to her as Mel, uh, if that is okay with you. You may. Okay. Might as well. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So Mel and I have known each other for some years now. I'm not exactly sure how many, but it's been, I've grown very, I'm not going to speak for her. I've grown very fond of, of her because of our time together. We've worked at the same institution but just had a time to get to know each other beyond our work and as friends and as people. Um, She's quite a witty person. And um, she's one of those people where I get her sense of humor. She gets my sense of humor. So I appreciate that. But she's also just extremely brilliant. And I'm extremely grateful to call her my friend. Um, And I think it'll be great to have her with today's conversation just because of her lived experiences, but also her her expertise in the workplace and her experiences in the workplace and just being able to share that with her. I think we also got to connect. We have a had an employee resource group um, at our institution called Breathing Room. And it's for Black women where we were able to come together and just be Black women and mm-hmm. uh, position ourselves there. And it's just all about wellness and just conversation and who we were as as Black women and just a place of camaraderie. And I will say that I know I was able to build a lot of friendships through Breathing Room, so. And in a space of like Black women empowerment, I love that you say we, but can we not act like you didn't lead the charge and come up and create it or like the mastermind (laughs) of this, like own it. Right. Uh, (laughs) If I may so affectionately call you Whitney in return, Um, (laughs) please own it. Yeah, I was like, you should like we had this, you had this space where you galvanized black women together mm-hmm. because we was around campus looking crazy um and brought us together. So thank you for that. Thank you. So Paulette, I'm excited for you to get to know Mel today and for our listeners to get to know her. So Mel, when we usually kick off with our guests, we'd like to ask them a first question because you know this is all about black women because that's who we are and that's what we want and that's the space we created for ourselves so boom boom bow <laughs> so will you tell us what do you love most about being a black woman i have been asked that question before and how sad right I, i'm a firm believer that everything is energy and there's spirit that runs through us but i think that there's a special spirit that runs through black women that we have this strength and empowerment when we need it and we can be soft and feminine 
as well. We can, we are chameleons um, in the environment and we can also wholesomely stand out when we want to. And it's a special spirit and it's a spirit that I got from my mother and her mother and the ancestors. And I don't take that spirit lightly. And so it's just when a black woman walks into a room, the the vibe changes, like it's special. Um, and I unapologetically love that about being black. Yes, thank that you. That was man. beautiful. <laughs> He's also a poet. That was I mean. So lovely. I, I agree. <laughs> okay, so well, today's episode really came from a couple of things that were actually primed really well. One was an incident that happened at work for me. Um, but then at the same time, probably the next day after that incident, I actually saw an article on LinkedIn that I shared about diversity dishonesty. Um, mm-hmm. And the article kind of describes it as organizations working to give the appearance that they invested in diversity, but they're making no changes internally and not supporting diverse staff, quote unquote, in the organization. And so publicly sort of conveying this image, but then, you know, by putting people in photographs or whatever it is for the company, but not valuing them within the organization. And then when they raise any issues, those people are basically gaslit um, and told, well, you know, we're doing it. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I guess I wondered, generally speaking, what your experience of that was like for both of you really in the States. And as I was saying to Whitney earlier on, like specifically with Juneteenth being here, I've seen some tweets and I wondered what, I wondered what your opinion was on that. Oh, it's so interesting. So yeah, may or may not have a few lived experiences in that arena. Um, When I read the article, it made me think about something like I just casually, you know, would say one, you know, in similar spaces and I call it, pretty practices or uh, pretty policies, ugly practices. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, lots of pretty words, very ugly practices. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like, you know, like the two faces, right, of something, uh, the mask on, mask off of how things are. But, you know, especially in regards to Juneteenth, it's interesting you brought that up with workplace. So my family has been celebrating. I was actually talking to Whitney about this the other day. And I was like, some people just discovered Juneteenth, which, you know, is is wonderful. I was like, I don't know why there's a hint of jealousy. I'm just like, they just got on board. But it's like, I want people to get on board. But I'm like, okay, do we get a special award for being day one people? Like, we don't. But, um, but you know, ever since I started working my first job, I've always taken Juneteenth off. I think I can maybe recall one year that I didn't just because we had like an event or something at work. And, you know, just getting like, why are you taking this day out? Because I was telling them, I was like, oh, that's my 4th of July. That's for Freedom Day. And people were like, what are you talking about? I was like, that's when, I was like, the rest of y'all were already free. Like, we were still working. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm taking today off. And so, like, even, I just even remember, like, within the workplace, like, how that was, like, even perceived Mm -hmm. as, like, she's just taking this holiday off for some, like, what she believes is, like, the Black 4th of July that none of us heard about. But, like, that's cool. PTO Mm -hmm. approved. Um, and now it's like, this is a part of our company's federal holiday list. And we want all of our, we, we have changed our logo to Kente cloth and we are going to beat the drums with you today in celebration of freedom. And I was like, but can you like beat the drum to my, my paycheck? Cause that would be Hello? great. Like show me, show me freedom and liberty for injustice for all. Um, by putting me in a proper tax bracket. That'd be great. Um, right. So, I mean, like, yes, it definitely, I think it has shown up for me in lots of ways. And, um, you know, I've worked at historically white institutions that are still predominantly white and like how that shows up. But before we, I know we, there's more questions, but definitely shown up there. And, you know, with Juneteenth, I think it's interesting seeing it like being something that wasn't really known and you being like the only person and how like that was perceived to now like it's a thing and like, mm-hmm. But yet tomorrow's June 20th and like, is anything going to change for us? And the logo is going to revert back and like different things like that. And so, but I'll let Whitney hop in too. No, just when I think about just the essence of it. And I remember when um, we both worked at the same institution at the time when Juneteenth was signed into a federal holiday, uh, which was the same season that there was just so much racial unrest in the U.S. and 
I rem- no, it was actually the year before it was signed to a federal mm-hmm. holiday. It was 2020 after George Floyd. So this was mm-hmm. the year before it happened. Our institution, there started to be chatter around, um, I think we're going to be off for Juneteenth. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm not turning down an off day. Let me be clear there first. Right. Okay? <laughs> I'm not turning that down. Let's be very clear. Mm-hmm. But I think where I wrestle was like, but come tomorrow, we're still going to have the same issue. Like that won't go away. And I think a lot of when I read the article too, and what I thought about where I struggled and the reason that creating spaces like breathing room was so important to me was even if for me, I felt value, even if for me, I felt enjoy my work, whatever it was, I still had people who looked like me who didn't feel that way. So I'm like, if we're not all free, none of us are free. You know, like mm-hmm. that's that's my connection back to Juneteenth and thinking about like liberation. I think that sometimes it can be isolated experiences. We have to be very careful with those isolated experiences where, okay, like I may feel like people in my office listen to me, but if the person in the next department, oh, another black woman in the per- in the office down the hall doesn't feel that way, I still got to act as if none of us are free and promote mm-hmm. the, the policies and the changes that are going to help us all be able to experience liberation because- mm-hmm. I, the article was saying something about, I took a screenshot of it. It said about the advertising assets, but not valuing them in the organization and gaslighting them when the issue was raised. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that far too often, like people being gaslit based on their ideas or not being valued or, and, it, and it's, it's something that just, it sends a, a a negative vibe, but it also is one of those things that sparks me to be like, nah, that's not what we're doing today. Like yeah. this can't be the reality for our people because we, I know that we deserve far better than it. Like when you were telling me your story the other day, I was like, hold on, let me check on flights to London because this is <laughs> not it. They're not going to be out here doing pilot. Come on back no. with me. <laughs> but I also feel like it, also, it kind of, um, does it devalue in some way? Juneteenth as well when organizations kind of co-opt it I guess to extent like you can't take it away from us but equally is there an an element of that sorry you know that's interesting um I think at the institution we worked at I think just I think recognition in a lot of ways is a hot topic right because there are some people who are upset about I think some of the I call them very marginal like changes or recognition right because they're like it's not enough and my thing is like not enough and there's still a long way to go like this is recognition not reparations right mm-hmm. I'm still if I see a dollar on the sidewalk I'm not walking past it I'm picking it up because I, mm-hmm. I I see that this is currency that can gr- be saved and grow so mm-hmm. all that to say is like in the same way like I think it could and I think that it's up in some way up to us although it's like why do why do the people who are oppressed always have to come up with the solutions but recognition of it invites conversation and i think it won't allow that history to be for forgotten or forgotten so easily right and like that's the first step is like we need our kids to know where we came from we need our people to understand the history um having a day on the calendar is not solving it but it's a damn good start in making sure that we recognize, hey, something happened. And so it's not the solution, but I think it's a good signposting for like, we need to do more. Especially, I mean, we live in Texas, Paulette, and you talk about, ooh, I, I give text, Mel is a native Texan. I give, I give the whole state to her. Um, <laughs> and, like, there's so many undoing of truths happening in Texas. Um, and across, I can't even lie, it's happening across the South. It's happening in Arkansas, Florida, all the other states too. Um, but it's also one of those things that's a a reminder of how much progress we've made, but how little people actually want us to make that progress. And mm-hmm. they want us to revert back. They don't want us to be able to talk about the things that have happened and be able to tell the truth about it to our children, in our schools, in our churches, in our colleges, in, in our day-to-day lives. Like people do not want it. The other day, um, we had a speaker. So we're building the National Juneteenth Museum here in Fort Worth. And we have Brian Stevenson, Just Mercy, here. Mm-hmm. And like what Mel was saying earlier, just the energy of that room was absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it was there was a lot of truth telling, a lot of truth seeking. And he was talking about uh, one of the things that he said, too. He was like, the reason we want to talk about Juneteenth is not to punish America, but to liberate America. 
And that's the reason that we got to keep having those conversations in our workplaces and in our home everywhere, really, so mm. that we can seek uh, liberation in a way. Because he talked a lot about people hiding behind like fear and anger to be able to change a narrative of like why we can't have those or why like gaslighting, how it's, it is indeed a racist act, right? Mm-hmm. And we know we see it happening in the works, especially as black women. Like we, I will say from, I will say from my perspective, one of the number one offenders <laughs> are usually like white women because mm-hmm. they can overt and covert ways, right? <sighs> talk about you know it. what? Can I just say, Whitney, I'm, to this point, at this point, until the incident last week, I had really only <clears throat> ever experienced the covert ways but mm. to, to experience one of the over i was like hold on is this is this happening yeah white women um was... ooh, that's a whole that's a whole podcast episode um podcast. So I, well and i have some white female you know friends and colleagues and i've told okay. them about you know i was like i don't want to say y'all are monolithic but what i want to say is they're a shared playbook that um my sisters all across the country and the world seem to um so i was like i don't know what the shared consciousness of, of experience is but i have started my own reverse playbook uh when it comes to white women okay, i don't know if it works the same in the uk I don't oh, know. yeah i guess i can tell some truth <laughs> so if i know that i'm going to be in a room with a white woman who is the antithesis of an ally mm-hmm. um because we yeah i'll just leave it there I usually will bring a black male with me. I will bring an attractive, charismatic black male because, like I said, that's kryptonite. Like, I don't know what it is, but, and I'll tell them the assignment. I had to, I rolled one at my previous um, nonprofit. I rolled them onto the board and I said, You have an assignment. I need you to like handle them because it was really interfering with the work. I was being questioned at every turn. I knew what I was talking about. there's like you know this coalition building sometimes that happens that I don't even think that they're aware that they're doing of you know they won't have a problem with me they'll go to the white male that's in power behind closed doors talk about it and try to undercut and undermine me and in front of me it's like oh no like we hear what you're saying or oh we think that's a good idea but I'm like everything that you suddenly he comes in and you're like correct he comes in because they want him to just like you know you know, uh, yeah, it'll be that. You know, well, well, that we like some things. There have been some concerns raised. I was like, who raised a concern? The who? two of you. <laughs> Tell her name. Like, wh- right. who, which one was it? Right. And so, I say, cool. I will go find the attractive, charismatic black man, and I'm like. Mel, on that note, I have to tell you, that is so on point. Because the funny thing is, I told one of my friends that I work with, and we work quite closely black guy charismatic exactly how you described and he was like do you want me to come with you do you want to have a chat with her and I'll come (laughs) I was like the way the dynamic works it would be really odd for me to bring him because he's not quite in that part of the job but like I think even they know that that is the case too and so it's great for them to stand stand up and like offer that yeah yeah and I will say with you know with some other there, there's there's a, a negative side to especially working in a predominantly white institution that I saw like things that I didn't like with some of our I'll say at the time black male colleagues that had to do with that right like mm-hmm. when we would be in predominantly white environments they were all of a sudden like you know not not associate the same way like this is just grotesque code switching right I was just mm-hmm. like you don't even stand 20 feet of us like but when I call them for something like that they'll show up and so mm-hmm. like you know th- th- there's this thing I would say, like, you know, the article, if I can, made me think about two things, especially the you, the diversity dishonesty, because it's like more it's more than just like diversity, right? It's diversity with opportunity, right? It's not just like, okay, we made it like we made it. And now do I get the same? Do I get the same opportunities to ascend to climb? It really highlighted for me the difference between mentorship and sponsorship. And I think even in institutions that like we worked with, I think there were a lot of white male or white male, white, like there were a lot of white colleagues, Hispanic, lots of colleagues that I could get mentorship from, but I couldn't get sponsorship. Right. I couldn't get them to put their name um, with mine. I couldn't get them to use their capital for my gain. Um, I was able to do two really cool leadership um, cohorts, uh, one for education and then one for business um, advancement that, I mean, honestly, helped me get to where I am. And they had to be paid for Neither one of those were paid for from my department. Mm-hmm. 
not even the diversity department at HR, both of those cohorts that I attended that cost quite a bit of money, this woman right here, Whitney paid for them out of her budget. One mm-hmm. came from her budget and the other one, she went through her sponsorship and mentorship networks to get that department to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Neither one were my departments on campus. But yet, like when I did it, like they were like, oh, look, we have somebody from. And I'm like, don't do that. Don't put my picture yeah. up. Yeah. I'm not tagging y'all in nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, y'all have no receipts to show your endorsement of me doing this. Yeah. Um, so it's like the difference between mentorship and sponsorship in those places. And I would say for people who are not black, especially who are not black women, how are you showing up? How are you using your privilege and your capital to advance that woman when you know that there are systemic barriers, whether it's this particular person or this particular policy? Like, what are you doing to intervene um, and crack that door open so that she can slide through? You know what? Another piece of dishonest. I mean, like, it's like I'm not trying to, you know, it's like like the last thing you want to do is like to start issues like within our own people but like these issues ride side by side I can't get in because of people who don't look like me and then sometimes it's people it's these things are happening they're happening simultaneously they're co- they're concurrent issues in our workplaces right and I'm like you know what and as I was reading this I said you want to know what some real diversity dishonesty is is when you put black people in positions of leadership who don't enjoy being black mm-hmm. oh mm-hmm. I was like, that's Mm -hmm. some real dishonesty Um, on multiple levels, right? I'm just like, you know why you promoted him. Um, Not maybe because, but it's just like, maybe he deserved that position or he or but I'm just like, they don't interact. And it's just like, they have no obligation to interact with other Black people. But I also, it's one of those two. It's like, where you look for that kinship, that commonality, not the ones who just tend to themselves, but the ones who try to separate themselves so far from their blackness and other black people to where it's like, this is a dishonest representation of what it looks like to be us or have this experience or minimizing it in those spaces. Like, you know, I will be quick to tell somebody in a meeting that like, I do not speak for all black people um, while I'm here. And I'll be, when he knows, I'll be one to say like, I recognize that I have light skin privilege um, and I also recognize I don't speak for everybody. And I need y'all to know that I'm from the South side of Fort Worth. Like I'm not from the rest of it, but with those disclaimers, here's my opinion. Mm. I still know within that they, they're writing that on. People also make the mistake of putting me at the table sometimes because they think I'm a palatable black person. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as other friends were just like, y'all pick the most venomous, <laughs> savage one. <laughs> Wrong one. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, it's, so there's multiple dishonesties happening. There's, you know, our pictures being used to represent this diversity that's not happening. We saw it on campus with students and athletes and just kind of like these jovial, like I was at a previous university where they brought in actors and I was like, what are those people doing at the photo shoot? They're like, that's for our promotional materials. I was like, y'all know y'all have real students, right? Like we don't look like that in real life. Like we, nobody's that put together on a normal day. Um, oh, it is Wednesday of finals. Like nobody looks at it like that on okay. campus. But, but it's, it's so much of this, I think, it makes it harder, I think, too, for current and previous, um, you know, our younger generations to understand, like, what's real, what's authentic, especially if they don't have parents teaching them, right, history. Um, they don't know how to advocate for themselves, and they don't know how mentorship and sponsorship so- shows up, right, and, like, teaching that. Like, my dad and grandpa, they'll even tell me about stories of, you know, a white man who worked with them who went in with, you know, for their raise to help advocate for them and showed them what, like, we need to see short stories and we need to teach our kids like what it looks like to show up. And then when it's happened to us, what what happened? Like teaching about those inconsequential things that happen at work or even just talking about our day like that my dad and mom would do. This happened to me at work or this da 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 and like mm. hearing their stories and like what they did. And like, I just don't even think that that on a micro level is happening as much. Yeah. But I think also that means having that conversation with women who are just like a few years behind us too. Um, because I think sometimes we, as black women, or I'll say I have experienced sometimes where I was thinking like, this is only happening to me until I was able to be in spaces with other black women to be like, oh, I, it's not me. I'm not making this up. I'm not just, I'm not the only person feeling this. Cause I feel like if you, if black women decide we're galvanizing, like the game is going to change. The game changes at that point. And I think even what you were talking about, Mel, about like anti-Blackness amongst Black folks too. Just think, I mean, we know it's still connected back to white supremacy. Like white people make us feel like Mm -hmm. we are just, like why associate with our own people? But when we galvanize together, 
Like I've seen it happen. Like even with what you were saying, I knew, okay, y'all gonna let me pick who does it or y'all gonna let me, or like, hold on, tell me what you want to do. Like literally I'll tell my friends, Hey, just so you know, I'm going to uh, tell them like that you should do this. So you be ready. Like, cause I I've seen some people in their departments, they, their department will have an issue with them doing it. They're not sure if they'll have the time, if they'll be able to balance that. Oh, okay. So what are you going to say when the president says that he would like for them to do it? Mm -hmm. Then Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I've seen, I think that's the hardest part for me when I know we're brilliant and I see people undermine our brilliance. Like that for me is like fueling and it makes me want to figure out, okay, what can I do to help? us get out of that situation into another area, new job. I don't care what you got to do. We can lead the whole place, whatever we got to do to find our, our path to, at the end of the day, I think it's really about us being able to feel good about what we're doing and good about where we are. Cause we deserve to be able to feel like that. Of course. Yeah. I think when you get to such a senior position in the organization, I think you have to make that decision. Don't you? It's, it's like, am I here? And am I, am I just going to play the game? Or am I here? Am I going to try and disrupt? And okay, it's going to make my life a bit uncomfortable, but actually, you know, or am I going to be used for the public facing kind of, you know, well, we've got a senior leader in here and they're black or Asian. But after the incident happened, I didn't immediately, well, no, I did. I thought this is a race thing. And then I was just trying to, in my head, just explain it away or maybe just compartmentalize it and just think, don't worry about it, P. And then it was, my friend at work, a white woman, who was just like, yeah, I think this is about race. And <laughs> I was like, I think it's not that I needed her to tell me that, but I think the fact that she said it, it's almost like now it's confirmed. And also it's, it's like, that blatant, do you know what I mean? What's my next step? What do I do next? So yeah. that's what I I've mean, the article talks about the gaslighting too. Like we will gaslight ourselves sometimes. Like, well, maybe it could have been, like, you know what it is. Yeah, and I know. You know what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's a hard And one. it hurts to accept that too, because you know, like that you're doing work that you are doing well and that you could do so much more if you actually have the institutional support beyond the Kente uh, color Juneteenth logo you know what i'm saying like if the institution was really committed if they were really about that life you could transform the place so i think that when you know you got this promotion you 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 know that you deserved it you more than deserved it but then to still go into a space and be undermined for it it's yeah. like what was the point what was absolutely the point? what was the point what was the point and you know it makes me think too especially like workplace diversity i'm just like yeah it makes me think of like the quotas too. Like if you see a department that's all white, like nobody flinches. But if you see a department that's starting to get more and more people of color, it's kind of like people kind of like pause. Like I've seen, you know, been on even hiring committees where they're starting to hire, they end up hiring like, you know, more black people or, you know, and then they're just like, well, you know, we need to think about diversity. And I'm just like, if you're talking about like, this is it's getting a little too dark in here for we you. We need to balance like, this back out. Say, Look, yeah, like, I feel like, you know, especially people, like, it's the only one where you can be like, oh, it's getting a little, like, you know, they kind of mm -hmm. look and it's just like, I think we, we got a little, we got enough diversity, right? But mm -hmm. it doesn't happen the other way around, right? Mm -hmm. um, Even with something as small as, um, I remember when I would go into some meetings and I would be like, oh, man, you know, we, you know, black people would, you know, y'all know we can't all sit together. But why can't we? Correct. <laughs> right. like, like, we can't do that. Because we have too much fun. <laughs> Right. But I was like, you if you look around, like nobody else is worried because they have a lot of options and they sit beside each other. So guess what I'm about to do? Park here, right here beside you, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been a part of previous teams where we had multiple positions in the field and I was just like, 80% of our positions are going to Black people. And I was like, and I'm noticing because like you said, Paulette, to the Whitney, it's like, you know, just like, you know, we talk about the people who were Black, who, you know, have that internal, and I don't blame them. It makes me sad, right? Um, but it's the same thing, but that the the effects of white supremacy are also conscious within us, right? We it, it appears unconsciously and consciously with even the actions we do. Cause I'm like, ooh, it's like 80% of our hires have been black so far. Like, can we we gonna get away with this? They gonna let us do <laughs> someone this? gonna say something. Like, Somebody gonna say like, something in a minute. <laughs> I was like, I was like, maybe I need to find like some people that got like uh, assuming, you know, first first and last names that can pass, but like people don't know, like. I was like, we're we going to get called in HR for this. Like, th this ain't going to ride. I know they're going to call but, us. 
But nobody would plan. It wouldn't. It wouldn't happen the other way. It wouldn't happen That's the true. other way. Because we wouldn't need it if it didn't. Like they've been hiring white people. Paulette and I were talking about what's what happens when you have to stay. Like it's not realistic every time that we get to leave. It's mm-hmm. not the that that may be the goal and that may be what we're setting up. We had a pretty in depth conversation about this actually mm-hmm. about like what's the exit plan. Um, but what do you do in the interim when you're there and you got mapped? You got mouths to feed, you know, you got bills to pay. (laughs) It's not realistic for everybody to just be able to leave when it, you know, you need to, or you want to, or you desire. You know, and I would say that I was in a similar spot and I had, um, was talking to a mentor and therapist about this. Like, I was like, I just feel trauma every like nine o'clock Monday to Friday. Like, I just like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, what's about to happen. Like, this that that tightness that tension and I was just like I can't I can't live like this like it's a lot and so um you know actually when I was reading the article it made me think a little bit about that time and you know I would say what what changed for me was the advice that I was given and I would wholeheartedly like lean into it they I would you know I say in our country but I mean we're we're talking across the pond now with Paulette so I mean I would say like throughout the world like find I was talking to Whitney about this the other day, like our previous place, if they wanted something done and they would wanted something done right with excellence and with limited resources, mm. a black woman was usually leading the process. Listen, that last bit. <laughs> that last had, bit. With limited resources. Especially right. they needed something done, but they didn't want to invest in it, but they still mm. needed to be done with pristine and excellence. And then when things didn't happen, we could easily pinpoint, we were like, did y'all put so-and-so on the committee? So-and-so was on the committee? <laughs> At least so and so. No, okay. Well, you know what mm-hmm. I mean. Without saying like y'all don't have no black women a part of this, um, because and here's the thing: like they recognize what we could do. We were just not respected back yeah, in our. You no, know, yeah, and with paycheck, with uh, power, with position, just all of that. Mm-hmm. And so I would say what helped me, and what changed my perspective to be even able to anchor in for an extra year and a half was. They're using you, but don't think that you can't do it back. In um, mm-hmm. one of my favorite quotes is by Alice Walker. And it says, the most common way people give up their power is by thinking they don't have any. Mm-hmm. And so I said, how can I reclaim my power in this situation? And essentially when my mentor was just like, okay, this ain't what you want to do forever. This isn't where you want to be. Where mm-hmm. do you want to be? And so what we did is we pulled up job descriptions of different types of jobs that I would want to do. Mm-hmm. And what we did is we looked at my resume and looked at, identified all the gaps. Yeah. So then I had a list of gaps, right? Like, okay, I need experience in this. I need, ex- okay, how can I use where I am and use these people to get enough experience? Let me hop on a committee. Let me mm-hmm. consult on a project to be able to articulate this enough with some integrity to put it on my resume. And when I had most of my gaps filled, then I could with confidence bounce. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it really changed that last year and a half because I was like, I'm not here for y'all. I'm here for me. And this is this is Mission Impossible. I am a covert mm-hmm. operative in a foreign land full of hostiles, but I still got to mm-hmm. get what I can get so I can go deliver the goods back to who hired me. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, my Lord and Savior put me in this hostile environment to get what I need to get. And I'm not leaving until I get it. Um, I don't know when that's going to be, but he's going to give me a sign. I will say God has been faithful and let me know when the assignment was done. But I will say that, you know, it sits into that faith too for black women. When you're in one of those spaces and you're feeling that tension, especially in the workplace, like sometimes we got to get out of the ego and it's just like, okay, what we are still here for a reason because God has not pulled us out of it. Mm-hmm. How can we redirect and get what we need so that we can be prepared? I fervently believe the quote, like, opportunity is where preparation and luck meet okay how can i get myself as prepared as possible for when that opportunity that, that preparation so when that luck comes along or when god comes along i'm ready right and so here. literally like the last year and a half i was just like i would ask when i would ask when can i sit on this committee they doing this on the other side of the campus um i don't know nothing about that can i talk to somebody can i be involved with this hey i want to do that i started asking questions because the worst thing gonna tell me is no and I was only one at for a while, one of like one of one in my whole 
college of black people. So I was like, y'all ain't gonna fire me because I'm gonna just go to the news. Um, so I'm gonna just start asking y'all questions. I'm gonna ask to be a part of stuff. And eventually people would start saying yes, or they let me sit. I was like, can I just shadow this meeting? I don't even know what it looks like to perform at this level. I don't have any mentors at this level. Can I just shadow this meeting to here? I'll sign your NDA or whatever. And people would let me do it. So all Yay. I'm saying is like, People have used us as Black women to push their agenda and their, get their work done. Now we can reclaim some of that for us and yeah. like see it as a mission. And like, that's what helped me to go in from this anxiety every day to go in like, okay, today, in these eight hours, this is what I'm going to get from them. Because you like, have a mission. Know. Yeah. Little you do they know they're paying me to take from them. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I love that. Oh, man, I love that. Oh, so many thoughts. But yeah, overall, <laughs> that's a great game plan. Um. One of the things I did wonder as well was, I don't know if you've like volunteered in or worked in like a black environment. Um, but one of the things my therapist pointed out to me as I was telling her about the situation, um, and I also told her she, you know, it was just a catch up because I haven't had a session in a while. And she was, I was telling her also about some stuff that had happened with Leading Roots. And I, um, I had shared um, my an idea with a room full of like 80 people and everyone applauded and was like, yeah, they're really excited about it and what's going to come. And she said, do you see that? Like, do you see the difference? You shared your idea in this space and you've been cut down and told you're stepping on toes. And you share your idea in this space and you're applauded. And I think it goes beyond sort of my ego or need for validation or not wanting to be given feedback. It's deeper than that. It's, it was kind of like, you know, go where you're celebrated, basically, <laughs> and you know, understood, and you don't have to over-explain yourself. So, I just wondered, you guys' experience of being in in black environments. I know they're not perfect by any means, but what were some of the differences in terms of, um, yeah, working or volunteering in those spaces? I'm gonna pick black environments every time because I feel like for my wellness, um, it it's a wonderful thing. And I, 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 that makes me think about breathing room. One time we were having a breathing room and we were going into summer and we would do like these check-in questions and the check-in question, I was like, and I was really curious too, cause I was, you know, in between hairstyles. So I was like, <laughs> what will your summer hair be? And baby, listen, people are like, oh, I'm getting break. <laughs> like in the, like I didn't have to explain the thing. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like it was just Everyone like, understood the importance of that moment. question. Everybody was like, oh yeah, I'm getting braids. And I'm like, if my braids don't be long, okay? They're going to be down my back. <laughs> And I didn't have to explain any of it. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I might get a little color in my hair. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But like those type of spaces for me are healing. They're reminders of like the parts of me that I just want to celebrate every day and that I should get to put on display because it's important to me. And I don't have to answer any questions about it. I just get mm -hmm. to do it. So I think that for me, creating spaces to be around black people and being intentional about it has been a game changer for my wellness as I was creating an exit plan and a strategy for just overall wellness throughout life. So if that's either me going to my very black church, me being with my very black family, whatever it is, like making sure that I'm surrounding myself in those spaces that will pour into me as I'm pouring out mm -hmm. so much mm -hmm. in other places where I don't have as much control over what that looks like. I'm not the one that's going to hire everybody who's to the left and right of me. So until I was able to better align that, I had to do what I needed to do on a continuum and being very intentional about creating those spaces for myself. It's interesting. You don't have to agree, Mel. No, 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 yeah. no, no. I, I do. I she, do. Oh, she I, knows that she doesn't have to agree with me. She has no problem I it's not always great I'll be like at this oxford comma is where you you went down the wrong way whitney um no um so i'm, I'm if i have to choose a, a space of safety that psychological safety is important and sometimes i just want to kick back and chill and be in a space of psychological safety i am choosing black millennials hmm. um, okay not like just yeah, not just because they're of the same generation as me, but, you know, there's a lot. I think Black elders are hard sometimes. Um, you know, there's a lot of, I think, meritocracy, wanting you just to, like, earn it 
right? And eat, but when you burned it too fast, you still don't know nothing, right? Um, which frustrates me because I'm just like, I've been on this planet half the time as you and I done got it figured, but like, that's another thing. Like, that's cool. There's some general, but also like, you know, my mom comes from that. My mom was raised on a farm, dirt poor farm. She hustled for everything she has. But she is one of those, like, she will stay with, she will get with an employer and she will stay with them until there is a layoff where she absolutely, like, had, like, that just fierce loyalty. And I told her, I said, I ain't loyal to, like, nobody um, like that. Especially, I said, I said, this is reciprocity. I'm working for you. You're giving me a paycheck in return. Like, this is not, we're not friends. Like, this is, you don't owe them anything. If anything, they owe you more. You were made to feel grateful. When they should, they are grateful to have you. You are labor, friend. Like, don't get it twisted. So I think that sometimes, like, the mindset differences, and I'm, I'm putting too many disclaimers. The easy answer is, yes, Black people. Because, you know, what's understood don't have to be explained. And I am sure as hell, 40 hours a week, tired and having to explain stuff, right, at work. So when you're with Black folks, I don't have to. But I think within the Black spaces, there's just some, like, I'm not going to go sit at that table over there with them out because they're going to try to teach me some lessons that I just <laughs> and then there's some who have that humility if they recognize and they want to pass on the wisdom and then they also want to learn and it's like I, I love the generational spaces of humility and wisdom like own your mm-hmm. wisdom own what you have don't be humble for that but also you recognize that you don't know everything and I think those are my favorite spaces to be in also when I'm around, you know, other Black people who recognize that they have had trauma, that they are dealing with undoing cycles of codependency and in therapy. So my favorite spaces are to be in are Black people who are in therapy. Um, I love it. Like, we all know that we we got some work to do and we're fixing things and we try to hold each other accountable even to how we talk about each other and ourselves. Yeah, whenever I have new people and I'm just like, which therapy? They're like, I'm not in therapy. I'm like, ooh, red flag, red flag. <laughs> so you don't think you you good? Oh, you went to church. Like, that's it? You prayed about it. Yeah, you and you, which church do you go to? Which is a whole, I'm like, oh, you go to that one and you're not in therapy? Oh, friend. Um, we're going to really have to do some more. You want to start My first red flag, most people are like, you're not in therapy? Like, oh, they you don't think nothing wrong with you you good you you okay it's run the other direction as fast as you can like a little red flag i'm just like you're not gonna undo thousands of dollars of therapy i done just spent on myself uh-uh. that part though for real though we're not that was... we're not going back we're not going backwards mm-hmm. so mel we obviously spoke today about work or things in the workplace and maybe things that people already know about you but is there something that you really enjoy, you're passionate about that people might not know or might not expect? Um, because, you know, as Black women, we're multidimensional. We're <laughs> um, multidimensional. Um, one little thing, too, because I think I'd be remiss to say I'm in a position now where I work. My direct supervisor is a Black woman. Mm-hmm. And y'all, it is such a, it is a, it's a whole different vibe. I don't have to defend mm-hmm. myself. I don't have to go in with like, 50, you know, um, 50 different points ready to go about why my idea. I just say, like, I think this is what we should do. And she says, okay, find a way to make it happen. And I'm like, that's it? You don't need, like, you good? We good? Um, so, yeah, I would say find you a Black, as Black women, go find you another Black woman yeah. um, to lean into. Um, but one thing that I love to do, it's a little harder now. I have um, I have two little girls. Um, but I love to travel. Um, mm-hmm. Traveling, you know, it definitely opens up your mind. It opens up your experiences. It's also where, you know, like Whitney said, I grew up in Texas, born and raised in Texas, uh, which is a very um, interesting, humbling. It, 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 Texas is an interesting place. Um, but I grew up in the city. Like my mom grew up in the country. It is very different in the country. Um, but I will say, you know, the stereotypes, you know, you, you challenge them when you travel, right? Uh, places that ideas and concepts are reaffirmed and places where, you know, you're just accepted for like who you are, your own merit as a person and not the color of your skin. Um, it It's beautiful. Um, I'm on Facebook and a few Black women travel groups. And so I like to read about it. But all that to say is like, just being able to be out and explore the world. And my favorite is to go to places that historically many Black people don't visit mm-hmm. um, and just 
because I'll get questions from people. Um, I, I'll just share briefly. I honeymooned in Barbados, which is black, but it's Caribbean. Like, you know what I mean? And I was talking to the guy at our hotel and he is like, you know, we don't get many Americans and I don't really see many. And this was a long, like a long time ago. So, I mean, obviously <laughs> Rihanna has blew it up, but you know, he's like, and I don't see a lot of black Americans. And I was like, really? He said, oh, I see black, you know, black folks from like the UK and different mm-hmm. things, I guess, because it's part of the Commonwealth. But, you know, and he was just like, I don't see a lot of black Americans. And I was like, well, you, you get to meet me and Barack Obama is <laughs> their president. And I was like, we got Barack. And, the, you know, just, but also yeah. like, you know, just our travels um, to other places and other islands. And even, you know, I would say in this country, other cities mm-hmm. where, um, I joke with Whitney, there's still some places in the South that we go to where I'm like, I think some of these Black folks are in the sunken space, right? And so for them to see confident people of color who hold their heads up, who drive house, who drive cars that cost as much as some of these people's houses, mm-hmm. they're accustomed to seeing that all the time. And it really does change the perspective. We'll stop off at a gas station and they're looking at us like, who are these people? Not because we said anything, but, but how we hold ourselves, how we present ourselves, our confidence, just our being challenges that environment. And I love it. And I love it. And I will go on a road trip in a minute and challenge. Like, I love it. Um, and so I would just say, like, you asked the first question about what I love being as a Black woman and then, like, taking that with me wherever I go and just seeing how that, how being Black shows up in traveling mm-hmm. is one of the most fascinating, like, social experiments I have for myself. Oh, I love that, Mel. <laughs> Where are you going next? You got any plans? Oh, You know, I got so many plans. We have to pay for daycare, but, I mean... <laughs> I mean, one of our goals is to go see all the seven wonders of the world. I've seen the Taj Mahal. I've seen Chichen Itza. I found mm-hmm. out I was I'm pregnant the first time we were going to go to Machu Picchu. But I mean, you know, we just we want to go places. And um, yeah, we'll check back in once I've been a few yes. more. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> Thank you, Mel. Love Thank you, you so much. And now for this one's for me. So my this one's for me this month is um I'm refreshing my wardrobe because I don't know why this happens. I, I feel like we talk about wardrobe a lot. We need to have that personal styling um, episode soon. But like, I don't know, the sun comes out and I go and look for all my summer clothes and I'm like, what was I wearing last year? Because where is everything? Did I go out? <laughs> what was going on? So yeah, I'm just going to buy some new stuff. I suddenly just feel like as well, like I'm finally falling back into myself a little bit more after having a baby I know you're saying it's two years it's been (laughs) come on P it's been ages but I saw something the other day that said actually the postpartum phase research shows is seven years and I believed it as soon as I saw that I was like yes (laughs) I can see that so yeah that element of myself in terms of like personal style I think is coming back and I'm quite excited about that for me, y'all, it's gonna y'all gonna probably gonna say she said this every episode. But mine's <laughs> gonna be just like rest again. Good, like, yeah. It, it has to be a constant reminder. Like this past week, I did not work out at the rate that I would like to. I think I worked out maybe twice mm-hmm. instead of like trying to do it five times a week. Mm-hmm. But I was like, because I slept longer than I normally would, mm-hmm. and I took naps, and my body was like, "Girl, That's I love what you." you right and so for me I'm gonna be a little flexible I can't I want my you know may want to wear little thighs out so I can't just like ease up all the way but I'm also gonna rest when needed and and be okay because as we talked about we need that we we absolutely need it we our bodies deserve it and it's ours thank y'all for listening thank you for listening See you soon, Whitney. <laughs> oh, yay. Thank you for listening to this World Is Ours podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at World Is Ours Podcast or go to thisworldisours.com.